Welcome into another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball, where we find the best tools to build the best players. Beautiful day um, as I'm recording this in Cincinnati, Ohio. Finally getting some nice weather. It's been oh, it's been tough lately. It's been a lot of gloomy, dark days, pretty cold out. So nice to get some um, good weather around here. Was out watching a couple games earlier um, earlier today, and uh, yeah, I hope everyone is doing well. Nice to see that uh, that the weather is finally changing and it, it feels more like baseball season. Uh, on today's episode, we have Dave Pearson. Dave uh, is currently a, the volunteer assistant at the University of Iowa. I don't know if you remember, we had Robin Lund on the podcast as well. He was fantastic. Um, this was a few years ago, but great guy. Robin did a great job, and and Dave it was phenomenal I mean just got done recording the episode with him and some of the the pieces of of advice that he gives to young coaches to young players how he goes about helping his players deal with failure I think is fantastic Um, Iowa is is cutting edge everyone in in baseball knows how progressive they are in player development and they're always pushing the envelope on ways to get better, ways to get their players better, and, and ways for themselves as coaches to get better too. So I'm um, I'm big fans of, of Iowa baseball for sure. So Dave is this is his first year at the University of Iowa. He's had a ton of coaching experience though. He's been a head coach at a junior college. He's been at North Dakota State, born and raised in North Dakota. Um, this guy's been coaching college baseball for a long time, and he talks a little about some of the things that he's learned over the course of his coaching coaching career in this episode. Before I, we get into today's episode, I did a presentation with uh, Jared Gaynor, who's a pitching coach in the Minnesota Twins organization. Um, I presented on on how to help hitters with swing make better swing decisions. Jared talked a little bit about how to help pitchers throw more strikes consistently. So if you want to watch the replay of that presentation, it's completely free. Head to patrickjonesbaseball.com slash coaches. So patrickjonesbaseball.com slash coaches. Put your name and email in and you'll get that free presentation. Ladies and gentlemen, here is now my episode with Dave Pearson. All right, we now welcome on David Pearson. David, thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, I appreciate you having me and uh, excited to talk baseball. So you're from North Dakota. I don't know if you know this or not. I've been in North Dakota twice in the past six months. My family's from Bismarck, North Dakota. So I usually go back to Bismarck. I don't I don't run into too many people who are from North Dakota. So I was excited to see you were. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, uh, you know, been to Bismarck quite often. And where I graduated from was north of Minot, about 80 miles, Sherwood, North Dakota. And, um, you know, all state tournaments and everything, we were always down in Bismarck and and certainly it's a it's a ways out there that's for sure what was it like playing baseball in North Dakota growing up yeah that's uh pretty unique it's pretty short season that's for sure (laughs) um you know our our high school season was probably 18 games something like that um most of our our kids play multiple sports. So you play football in the fall and in basketball in the spring or hockey and, and then baseball as soon as those seasons end. And, and then you go into, uh, for high school, you get about 18 games and then kind of go into the Legion season, uh, through the summertime of another probably 20 games or so, something like that for some, for the smaller schools. 
Um, the bigger towns, Bismarck, Fargo, you know, they're pretty, pretty extensive 50, 60 game summer seasons and in a lot of baseball activity. But um, yeah, you know, you, you just, you played a lot of backyard baseball growing up and, and played when you could, when uh, the weather was good. When did you know that, that you wanted to get into coaching, that you want to be a coach? You know, it's a, it's a good question. I think um, my family is all teachers, uh, principals, uh, teachers, uh, a lot of people that are involved in that aspect. So I've grown up around the game my whole life and um, maybe probably thought I was a coach even when I was playing at times. Um, <laughs> but, you know, how that can go. But certainly um, sports has big, been really big in our family and and uh, I was always excited about uh, the opportunity to to be able to to get into the coaching and and um, I would say pretty early on in my my life I wanted to to be involved in coaching of some sort. Did you know when you started coaching were there certain things that maybe looking back that you're like eh probably maybe shouldn't have done that? You know it's yeah there's always aspects of of what uh, a person does as a coach of what you learn um what to do what not to do take um something from every coach that I've ever been a part of whether it was in um high school sports uh playing in college sports and then just um taking what what I've seen from a lot of different people and talked to a lot of people and, and tried to do the best that I could with being who I am and from that aspect there's there's times where I wish I was not as win orientated as much as I, I was as a young age and wish I was there more for, for caring about what their needs were. And, and certainly um, as time's gone on, it, you know, it's more about creating those relationships and, and the wins come from it as opposed to always just thinking win first. So is that something that you, uh, try to relate to young coaches who are, who maybe are just starting out in college? Yeah. You know, the biggest thing that I stress to a lot of young coaches as, as much as I can is, um, is go to any level and, and jump in and do as much as you can and, and roll up your sleeves and get to work and then be a great, great ear for the players to lean on and um, be able to relate with them but also hold them accountable to make them better and, and to, to show them some figures of what is acceptable and what's not. And, and that, but at the same time, keep learning in our game, keep growing our game, keep giving opportunities for, for our kids to, to understand what the game truly can bring to, to people. And, and um, you know, you can do that at any level, anywhere in the country and, and certainly jump in and, and work hard and see where it takes you. What's uh what's something that or what's like one thing that really drew you to go to Iowa? You know, um, obviously there's you go about coaching at any level and and you want to compete for championships. That's always important. Um, but you know you want to be able to grow and learn and, and keep uh, progressing. And, and Coach Eller and Marty and and, and Coach Lund and. Um, are super aggressive about what's what's new, what's um, the latest uh, technology, what is uh, some of the old technology that we can incorporate with the new technology and all that stuff. And 
Um, it's an exciting place. It's an exciting time for that. And um, to be able to have some guys that are hungry and want to learn and, and um, you know, that chance to be able to work with those guys is, is something that drew me to to want to be here. Yeah, I mean, I, I've had Coach Lund, you know, Robin Lund on the podcast before. He was fantastic. I mean, I, I don't know of, of too many programs in the country that are doing what what you guys are doing from a player development side at Iowa, um, you know, just with the analytics department that they created and just everything. It's, it's inspiring, honestly, to see it. I think it pushes everybody else to try to keep up. Well, we certainly like to think that we're at the top of the country for a lot of the, the stuff that we're doing and um, to be able to bring it to our players and, and, and still have them, um, perform on a, on a basis of being able to take to the field. And um, so certainly it's, it's a, an exciting place to be able to have that uh, this time and day of, of, of the age of baseball, where there's a lot of uh, this data being incorporated. And um, so it, it's been exciting to, to see some of it from this aspect. And I think one of the cool things, Dave, about, you know, having you on this show is, you know, you've now coached at a lot of different levels. And so you've kind of, you know, you've really had to make it work with, you know, different budgets and things like that. What's something that, you know, you've learned, maybe it's been at Iowa or maybe just, you know, in general, just from all your years coaching that, that if you could go back to, and you had a, a small budget, like a coach is out there listening, he's on a small budget. What's something that, you know, from a development standpoint that you would say, like, I would recommend that they do this if they don't have a big budget. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, to, to me, I guess the biggest thing that I can recommend is, is listen to what the players want and f- try to figure out a way to give them what they need to be successful. And, uh, and don't be afraid to try something. Um, there is no one cookie cutter way exactly to, to make a, a great player. Um, I tell people all the time, being from North Dakota, uh, we grew up with some Twins fans where, you know, Joe Maurer and, and Justin Murnau, they had it really going there for a while. And they were both from once from Minnesota, once from Canada. So you can make great players from wherever you're at, as long as you're willing to work hard and put in the time um, to become great. So certainly um, there's we've got some old school uh, drills that we always find work great for certain guys. And, and some new age drills that work great for certain guys and being flexible enough to, to, to find out what makes it best for each guy to develop his, his pure swing, his best swing. And then um, listening to them and asking them questions and seeing where they're at and make them feel comfortable doing what you're trying to do. And then, um, you know, get them, keep pressing the envelope. I, I know one of the things I love here is, is we chart uh, all our exit velos and 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 that aspect. So we're always challenging guys to to do better and, and get a little more and, and and really push the envelope. And and that's the biggest thing is that I've found more anywhere I've been at is is make guys hungry and and humble and and want to be better and um, give them some some passion and some some care and and they'll be uh, they'll be all in for the most part. Yeah, I love tracking the exit feel. I think it, I think it pushes players not just in the cage, but also in the weight room, like eating right, because they start to see, you know, they start to get hungry, right? They, that competitive nature comes out and you realize, hey, I, I need to be pushing myself in the weight room if I want to hit harder on the field, too. Absolutely. You know, there's certain um, things that, that go through 
where you're trying to do to develop your, your culture and your program. And, and, you know, certain guys, when they get certain weights uh, above who they are and give them a t-shirt or, or different things throughout uh, the programs that I've ever been to um, are ways that you can track it and, and make them hungry to want to try to do more and, and to, to really push that envelope for sure. How do you help players with uh, just dealing with failure? Yeah. You know, that's uh most of the kids that, that are in college, um, you know, that they've been the most successful players they've on their teams and, and they're being recruited by a lot of people and told how good they are. And, and all of a sudden now you're an 18 year old and you're competing against 22, 23 year olds. So it's almost like you're back as a freshman in high school and they forget how easy it was for them at that time. Um, don't really know what, what it's like failing for the first time or, or first time in a really long time. And so one of the things that I always talk to our guys about is this game is you can't live and die with each, each at bat with all the time and, and you have to be able to move on. And, and so we talk all the time about uh, visualizing about having uh, our 15 second funnel, our, our plan to be able to be in the present, to be in the now. And so a lot of guys I'll talk about, um, you know, right. One of the first things I'll do is we'll, we'll close our eyes and we'll say, Hey, I want you to visualize your three most successful at bats you've ever had. And, and I want you to smell the air. I want you to, to see the, how the leaves look, the grass, what dugouts you're in. And I want you to visualize all that. And when you're really scuffling, I want you to be able to close your eyes and go back to that moment and how good you feel. And because you can't get a hit to feel good, you have to feel good to be able to hit. And so we want to, we, you know, your mind is so powerful. What you see, you'll be able to get done. And so we talk all the time about visualize that positive feeling, that positive frame of mind get that positivity in your body and visualize those past success. So now you're able to come in and be focused on the now instead of worried about what happened in the past, good or bad. And, and certainly, um, you know, failure is, it's all around us and it's a tough game. There's no doubt about it, but the guys that, that you can really encourage and, and stay with it and keep working um, tend to be able to rise and, and, you know, not everybody can do that, but, you know, for the large part of it, um, most of them with a good plan and, and, and good attitude are able to within our, our system, be able to, to get out of that for sure. That was, that was so good. So good. I mean, right there. I mean, I love what you said about, you, know, you can't, you get a hit to feel good. Like you gotta, you feel good to get a hit. That was incredible right there. I love that. Yep. Yep. That's, uh, I mean, our game is, is, is so predicated on, on how confident I am and how uh, successful a person's been in the past. Boy, they're on a hot streak. Well, um, you know, I, I've researched a lot of baseball in the past and Derek Jeter one year, I don't remember what year it was, was 0 for 32 to start the season and still hit over 300 because he just, you know, next at bat, next at bat. And, and certainly, um, you know, one of my, I'm a, big hockey guy. And, and so one of I transferred from a junior college to my four year and I was trying to battle out uh, for a position. And I was over like 13 to start my career and seven punch outs. And I'm sitting, you know, in the box being like, don't strike out, don't strike out. And, and all of a sudden, um, 
you know, what do you do? You strike out. Or there's a runner on third and you're trying to drive him in. You're saying, just don't hit a ground ball to third. Well, what do you do? You hit a ground ball to third. So, and and I started reading an article about a, a goalie and, and he was benched halfway through the year. He was, he, and by then when I was reading it, he led his team to the national championship game. And he talked about how halfway through the year, he was trying to redirect the puck into the corner and he was, wasn't trying to leave as many rebounds and all this stuff. And he goes somewhere along the lines, I forgot to stop the puck. And so I said, said to myself somewhere along the lines, I'm trying to do everything except hit the baseball. So whenever I try to stress to our guys is when you're in the box, you need to see the ball big, as big as you can and then trust your swing and be able to all the work you've done in the weight room, all the work you've done in the cages, you have to be able to trust that when we get out onto the field, you just now have to see the ball, get a good pitch to hit and be able to do that. And so, um, you know, you're going to fail any, everywhere you go at certain times, but being able to just keep working and keep grinding and have a great mindset and keeping things simple um, has been what I've found has really helped our guys over the years. So with that confidence. You know, when you mentioned Derek Jeter there, you know, starting out the season 0 for 32, I wonder how many more players out there who, but you know, start out struggling and because they, you know, they don't know how to handle it. They don't know how to do some of the things that you just described right there. They, they never see the light at the end of the tunnel and they never really reach their potential or they don't, you know, once they, once they start out a season bad, the whole season is just done. Yeah. There's a lot of them. Um, and what most of them don't realize is, if you, you know, what I always talk to our guys too, is when you're struggling, um, work, talk about um, simplifying it. So um, we want to try to hit the ball right back up off the pitcher's mound. We want to try to hit the pitcher's hat off, um, work a push and drag, something to get yourself some, some momentum, some, some, some positivity going in the right direction. And don't worry about what your numbers are. Just Worry about right now, the, the, the playing forth right now, this moment, this pitch. And at the end of the year, whatever is going to happen, it will take care of itself. But all you can worry about is just keep grinding, keep getting better, doing the simple things right now, and it, it, it will take care of itself. But, um, you know, there, there's a lot of pressure. You know, there's, I, I knew as a junior college head coach that there were a lot of guys that wanted to put up good numbers so they could get recruited. And, and, you know, there's always a lot of pressure And the guys that I found that just went out and they made pitches and they had good at bats. They ended up putting together the best numbers and moving on to the, some of the bigger schools just by simplifying. I'm playing the game of baseball. I'm having fun. I'm not worried about anything outside other than competing in the box, competing on the mound and playing as hard as I can for my teammates. And, and certainly that's um, ultimately what we try to stress. That's awesome. That's great. Are there certain statistics or things that you emphasize to your players? Like for example, um, you know, in the minor leagues with the Orioles, you know, we, we tried to get the batting average to be off the scoreboard and just have OPS on there. So we don't want them worrying about batting average. Yep. Yep. You know, and that's, that's one of the things that now today um, we always talk about, are you getting good pitches? So we'll chart spits on off speed uh, that we take that are for balls and that we're not chasing. Um, so, so we, you know, obviously everybody charts quality at bats and, and are you moving runners and, and doing the little things um, to win baseball games. And, and certainly it, that's, always 
something that we stress. You got to have the guys buy in because they're always going to go back to to my batting average, this and that. And um, but you know, we we want to we stress a lot of different aspects of of the numbers. Um, how how are they competing with runners on with two outs? Are you able to drive people in? Um, are you winning? How many three two counts are you winning? Do you have O2 comebacks? Some of those things are are a lot of the numbers that we really stress about team game, grinding out at bats, trying to get into bullpens, and, and certainly so those are some of the things that that we find really important more than just the batting average. Do you do you find that the college kids, the players on your team, that they can handle? So the information that they're giving them about that day's starting pitcher and the scouting reports and maybe movement and everything like that on their ball. Yeah. You know, I, I certainly think it depends on each kid. Um, I think that you need to go over it with them and describe to them what, what it is, what to expect. Here's who you've seen that's like in the past. There's, um, but certainly not everybody buys in. Um, I certainly think that in our program here, a lot of, you know, our guys know coming here that that's what they're looking for, that those are the guys that they want to know this information. Um, it's not for everybody, and, and certainly that's okay, that, that the game has a lot of different options for different people. This is what we believe in. This is what we're going to give you, and this is how we feel that you can be the most successful. And, um, you know, we if you buy in, this is what's made a lot of really good players in the past and really good teams and championship teams. So certainly um, – you know, those are each guy has to certainly buy in on his on his own. What's your what's your uh, take on on you know teaching hitters approaches two strike approach for example? That's always a hot topic. What what, what do you got on that? With all your years coaching, I mean, you've been at a lot of different levels. You've coached a lot of different types of players, talented, not as much, you know, not so talented. Um, has, has there been a, a some some type of approach with two strikes that has has worked more than not? You know, um, that's a good question. If it, if if there was, I think you probably you wouldn't, wouldn't tell be me asking me that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, it comes down to your heart and your guts, and and really uh, fighting in the box and 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 making a. Uh, you know, I I don't like to talk about violence or anything, but it's like a boxer in the ring, a fighter's mentality of of really competing. And when you get pushed in the corner, are you going to just stand there and, and let the opponent punch you, or are you going to start, you know, trying to fight back? And, and that's what we talk about is we want a fighter's mentality. We want to compete. We want to grind. If you need to shorten up, shorten up, but there's certain times you got bases loaded and the guy that can drive the ball out of the ballpark with two strikes. I, I still want, you know, less than two outs. I don't want him to, shorten up, hit a ground ball and, and have a double play in the inning. I want them to try to win a game by driving a ball in the gap. So um, each at bat is, is different. It's, it's got its own um, uh, result that is needed, obviously. So certainly we're not always talking the same uh, approach with two strikes, but for the most part, um, what I've always found is, is move up on the plate and take the depth of the breaking ball away. You can catch it up at a higher point. Um, it won't bounce if, if you're back in the back of the box where you're still trying to hit it. Um, you know, I, I personally believe move up two inches, move on the plate two inches and choke up a half inch on the bat and fight is, is what my personal belief of, of being able to two strike, get after it. And, and that, you know, that might be for our leadoff guy and our, three-hole guy might not need that as much, um, but th that's all dictated at different times, certainly. 
Um, but you can, the two plus two is, is usually what I find. Um, you know, the guy with really good changeup, I want to move up, take his depth out of the way. So I don't have to reach for everything off the plate that the ump sees as a strike. So, um, those are some of the things that uh, the movement is more in the box to me is an underrated tool that nobody likes to do anymore, but being able to adjust in there is, is what I find most successful guys have the ability to do. That's a great point. You, you don't hear that very much at all anymore. I, I can't remember the last the last time I heard someone talk about it like that was actually Pete Rose. I don't know if you remember him talking about it. I think it was um, during one of the World Series a few years ago. He was, you know, talking about how he'd move up and back and in and out and all those things. But yeah, you're right. You really don't hear that a lot. Well, and you know, everybody talks about you got to create a repeat of swing and this and that. And Cal Ripken played every single day and his body dictated what his stance was and he would change his stances all the time. And, um, certainly a lot of the great ones have the adjustability to be able to keep their hands back and fight pitches and be off time and still make something happen. And um, so we, I try to, to vary that through different bounce drills or different drills through T work and different things at different times to create some of that uh, uh, game like rep as much as you can. And, you know, you see a lot of people do two plate, three plate drills. And, and then you're like, Hey, move up in the box, take it away. I don't like to move. Well, you just did it when we did a two plate drill earlier <laughs> this week. Like it's not that hard. You can make some adjustment and, and, you know, guys want to fight a little bit. And, and I'm just like, well, you make your decision, but I want you to stop chasing the breaking ball down. So you figure out how to make that happen. If you need to move up, I guarantee you, I'll help you. But so that's, that's just some of my personal beliefs, but is, I'm not is, right. I'm not wrong. That's just my belief. Is is hitting the breaking ball, working on practicing hitting breaking balls off machines, something that you've done more of um, as your career has gone on? Yeah, you know, um, the bre- machines are an awesome tool. Uh, and you can teach velocity. You can teach breaking balls. It's very difficult to teach change-ups. But obviously – um, yeah, you know, I guess when I played, we had the breaking ball machine, uh, the big jugs, the white wheels that we did. Um, we used to, we used to play in the backyard every day and we'd throw tennis balls and whiff balls and guys would make those balls move everywhere. And you had to simplify at times and, and still be able to hit, uh, balls into the gap and drive people in. And, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of different tools. I'm a big belief of angle toss. You kind of throw the ball at, at, at different angles to create some some perception of what the breaking ball is going to do for you, and you can do some of that as well. Um, but yeah, we we are on the machine every day with some form of of right-handed velocity, right-handed breaking ball, you know, left-handed velocity, left-handed breaking ball, some form of that every single day. And we'll do some. We'll put a couple different machines. We'll do one down, one up. So which one you need to hunt the hang, lay off the one down, all that stuff to try to teach guys the, the, the visualization of seeing where it's at and to be able to trust themselves to get it. I remember a, a coach Heller a few years ago gave a talk at ABCA and, and talking about a lot of the things that, um, you know, you guys do from a development standpoint specific to hitting. I thought it was fantastic presentation. It was great. And one of the things he he did was you talked about the eyes and, you know, helping put, you know, trying to get players to improve their eyesight and working with, uh, you know, eye doctor locally. Do you guys still do some of that stuff? Absolutely. Every single day. Um, we're 100 percent all in on the vision. 
And um, we, we do vision. It's one of our stations that we do within our hit groups every day is some form of vision. Each guy gets uh, eye tested, finds out what he needs to work on um, within that system and then be able to work on that daily to, to improve it and to make them better. Um, and, and if you can't see the ball, you can't hit the ball. And it ultimately is probably the most important part of our hitting is being able to see and see the ball well. And, and certainly the, the, the vision that we do is takes up a large part of our indoor and it, uh, is, is really an awesome, it's super progressive. It's, it's really cool. I know we've had some, some uh, teams come in and look at it uh, uh, from all over the country and, and um, it's, it's very important for, for our development of our players. Yeah. I mean, for those who are listening to this, I mean, if you have, you know, access to the ABCA videos, I'd recommend going checking out that, that talk <clears throat> and that Coach Heller gave. And is complicated because I was in the stands watching the same thing uh, being at a different school at that time. And, and, you know, I was like, man, that seems like a lot. And it, it really isn't. It's really, um, it, it's, you put in the system and the guys get to do it and they get to know what they're doing. It, it goes really easy. And it, it's just a matter of staying with it every single day as much as you can. And, but it, it's worth, it, it's, it's so worth it. Uh, everywhere I go, it'll be one of the first things that I'll keep within my program from, from this day forth. It's, it's an unbelievable system. Now, do you think that's uh, because players, it's an emphasis of, of importance. And so players now, you know, maybe they, they focus more on the release point of the pitcher, which allows them to see the ball better because of some of the stuff they're doing. Yeah. You know, that's a good question. Um, we work on the release point, seeing, uh, try to read different aspects of where the release point is, what's going on with the ball at the release point. Um, I know uh, a friend of mine that was uh, Jerry Stitt was a baseball uh, head coach out at the University of Arizona. He used to talk about um, he'd put a, a, a ball on a, a tee and another ball, and you have to keep your head still to see the ball at all times. And he would say, as soon as you see a ball from the pitcher, call ball. Well, we just take that to even another level higher here of, of being able to, you know, we're going to take breaking balls out of the BP thrower's hand today and we're going to mix pitches and we're today we're going to throw colored balls and you've got to call the color and we'll take this color and we'll hit this color. So we go into all different aspects of, of the visualizing or the, the vision of seeing the ball and then making the decisions off of what you see and, and um, you know, from that aspect of, of we have some software that we use as well and in, in, in being able to see pitches and, and decide what they are as well. So that's awesome. Do you, do you guys still do uh, put the screens across the infield so the players can hit ground balls? We will. Yep. There's certainly more in the fall. The, the screens get put out and, and uh, try to create some, some launch to it. Well, we do have our, um, we have targets in our cages inside of where we want them to be able to hit, you know, um, of what we're looking for. Certainly we don't want to hit a lot of lazy fly balls, but we want to create backspin driven baseballs and be able to drive them uh, as far as we can into the gaps and, and see what we can do for damage. So yeah, for sure. Awesome. Dave, this has been so much fun, man. I, I appreciate your time. I know, you, you know, you, this is, you know, you're, this is a game day for you and you still, you know, made the time to do this. So I appreciate it. Um, I could talk to you forever, but um, again, man, thanks so much. And we'll, we'll definitely stay in touch. Yeah. I appreciate you having me on and you know, my information is available for anybody uh, to, to reach out and, 
and talk baseball. I, I know that for, for me to be where I am at in the game of baseball, there's been so many people that have given me an opportunity and taught me the game and give me chances. And, uh, I, you know, any chance that I can help somebody along the lines to be able to, to uh, do that, I, I try to help as much as I can, whether it's drills, this and that, talk baseball. Um, so certainly uh, anybody that's listening and wants to reach out, please feel free. And anytime you want to talk, just give me a call. I love talking baseball. What What's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, the best way would for for any contact would be just uh, shoot me an email on off our website or call my cell phone, and they can uh, reach that. I'm have that around all the time. So okay, I'll put the uh, I'll put your social media link in the show notes and your email too. Um, you know, I don't want to put your cell phone out on the internet, but um, we'll put the email and in, in show notes at, or uh, yeah, Twitter if, handle. And if they want to direct message me on Twitter and and. Uh, and then we can exchange cell phones or whatever. That's, that's fine. So certainly um, just uh, here to help whoever we can, whenever we can, as long as we can. So that's awesome. Dave, appreciate it, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me on and great talking with you. 